to After Dark with Rob and Andrew on the America Out Loud platform. We'd encourage you to all go to AmericaOutloud.news where you will find tons of great articles, podcasts, stories that you don't want to miss that's talking about current events, giving you analysis. You can also go there to pick up different books that we've talked about on our show, different authors that we've had on the show. We also have a page whereby you can go to America Out Loud for got news to pick up health aids. So again, the America Out Loud platform, which is a new site, I would encourage you all to go there and visit it. Tonight, my special host is Heather Robinson of the New York Post, and we're just going to delve right into our topic tonight. First thing, I want to offer condolences to the Trump family. We've now learned that Melania Trump's mom, who's I think 79 years old, recently died. I think it was on last night. She passed away. Condolences to her. I, I got to say, Heather, that uh, back last year in December and even in November, when the media did not see tr- uh, Melania on the campaign trail, they automatically assumed that there was trouble in paradise with their marriage. Some even came out and mm-hmm. said that Melania was not appearing on the campaign trail with Trump because she didn't want Trump to run again that she was tired of the chaos and that she just wanted a private life. And Melania is a rather private individual, a smart woman, but she's also private. But if you think back during 2016, they had said the exact same thing, that she wasn't on the campaign trail because she didn't want Trump Mm -hmm. to run. But then when she appeared on the campaign trail, they were like, well, why is she there? What is she doing? So now fast Mm -hmm. forward. During the holiday, they were saying that, once again, she's done the campaign trail. And I would gather to say, Heather, that many of them knew that her mom was sick, but they refused to mention it. They wanted to create the perception for the American people that there was trouble in paradise and that she wasn't appearing alongside Trump because she didn't want the chaos. Even during their holiday picture, Christmas picture, they had said, oh, she's missing from the picture. Now they're Mm -hmm. speaking the truth now that the woman has died. Heather, I will say it Mm -hmm. again, and I know that you disagree with me, but the media in its current form has to be stopped. I know that you've said that the recipe for more uh, for media like that is more media, but these yeah, guys have become. Establishment clause. I, 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 I understand it. I understand it, but mm-hmm. they've become a threat to democracy. They're extremely dangerous. They are a propaganda arm of a political party. If that weren't the case, I would agree, agree with you by saying. We need more media. But that's not the case. These guys are extremely dangerous. Look at what they were saying the other day about Trump. We had two reporters fantasizing, I want to say, about Trump's assassination. We saw the same thing in 2016 with a CNN producer and journalist saying, what what, what would happen if Trump's plane fell out of the air? Now, again, they're entitled to their opinions, free speech. They can say whatever they want to say. But if the tables were turned, do you think that the media would get away with making comments about Jill Biden, saying that she's not with Joe because she doesn't want him to run because he's he's uh, ailing, that he has dementia? 
Or if they were to say, oh, Joe Biden's up in the air, what if the plane crashed? Do you think that the media would be okay if a Republican was saying that? Well, no, but I, I think that we would, if they try, I mean, I think they would probably try as they have tried to shut down Fox News, but they can't do it because of free speech. So they would probably say that Fox News and conservative media are a danger to democracy and talk radio has has uh, ruined our democracy and we have to shut it down in order to preserve democracy. Now, I happen to agree with you in, in one sense. I do think that there's much more lockstep kind of um, collusion, to use one of their favorite words, between them and, and the Democrats. But they would probably say, well, there's, there's knee-jerk uh, ideological congruence between conservative media and the Republicans. The issue is that um, it's all in the eye of the beholder, unless you can demonstrate, like, specifically how media is corrupt. Like, for instance, I remember, you know, as one example, there was, uh, CNN was supplying the questions, I think, to Hillary Clinton. I, there was some, some instance with, I think, Donna Brazile and Hillary Clinton a few years ago, where it was proven that they were given the questions in advance, and other politicians were not. So, I mean, things like that, that's very specific um you could argue is professional misconduct and i guess you could have some kind of congressional hearing or something but as we know the first amendment is very strong and it is for good reason including for reasons that that you know maybe it's it's you know the principle is almost absolute because the issue is who decides who decides what media is a danger is it me is it you is it the republicans is it the democrats and the problem is that all sides want to control the narrative and the founding fathers understood this and they understood human nature and the nature of anybody, especially the powerful, to control what is said, what is written, what may be asked, to try to control the minds of, of people and the spirits. And our country is a free country and the press was envisioned as the fourth estate and a watchdog of government. And that's why, you know, Congress shall make no law affecting freedom of speech or of the press. So short of direct incitement or, you know, slander that, that you know, you can, you can press charges in a civil case, but for slander, it's a very high standard that has to be met you know, which we could go into some in another show. I do know a little bit about media law, but, you know, I think that it is frustrating right now because we do have a media that a corporate kind of driven media that's, for whatever combination of reasons, very much uh, the handmaiden of one political party. And I agree with you that it's been negative in a lot of ways. I mean, as a, as a, a pro-Israel uh, American, for many decades, I've been very frustrated with what I view as the out-and-out agenda and distortion that's been foisted on the American people by outlets like the New York Times. Uh, the, you know, their language, I think their bias is very insidious and very consistent, and they continue to present the news 
from Israel and the Palestinian territories without, for instance, disclosing that no media uh, can operate in the Palestinian territories without towing the line and telling the story the way the Palestinians want it told. That's not a free country, okay? It's not even a country, as we know, but they get that is a totalitarian regime, so they control the, the, the story. That's not disclosed. And so we've had decades of biased reporting from the Middle East where, you know, Hamas, whoever's in charge, I believe, lies, distorts figures, makes claims that aren't true, and doesn't get pushback from the liberal media, um, the media liberal. But, but I, don't, I don't think realistically the answer is to shut down the New York Times. We can't. I mean, I, all we can do is try to establish watchdog organizations and other media outlets that tell the truer story and strive for balance and, and objectivity and that's the best we can do. That's that's my opinion. And I think we need to keep doing it. And I think Rupert Murdoch did a great service to this country. You know, he's Australian, but if it weren't for him, I, I think we'd have an even more distorted uh, culture because of what you're talking about. But again, we look at Melania and how they treated her. And her mom for them to fabricate a story that she wasn't with Trump because they were having marital problems only to find out now that her mom was sick and that she was spending every waking moment at her mom's bedside until the end. But they concocted this vicious story that there was trouble with the marriage. Well, but isn't that opinion? I mean, that's it's, it's, that right. It, right. I agree. It's an opinion, but because the media is so strong at this point has gotten so strong and powerful and it's operating at the direction of the Democrat party. I mean, it's the narratives, everything that the Democrats want to say, the media comes out and they parrot it and we see this over and over again. This is dangerous because this is what we we saw in Nazi Germany. We see it in China because it's a state-controlled media. And I think that's mm-hmm. what we have. It's not it's well, not as if though that it's, it's not, written down. It's but, well, I'm except sorry, that we ahead. have competing media. We have Fox News, we have we talk At the radio, moment. we have us. Right. And that's why we have to, you know, fight to make sure that that continues to be the case. So I, I agree with you. They're lousy. Um, they are lousy practitioners of the craft of journalism. But it goes back to, you know, I, li- I like to point out that the way the founders wrote the First Amendment, it's, it's almost absolute. Congress shall make no law, you know, abridging the freedom of speech or the press. And Congress can't pass laws outlawing the press. I mean, the only thing you can do if somebody's, and also there's no process of accreditation for journalists. And the reason for that is that, I mean, there are schools that exist and, you know, some people think it's education inflation. That's another debate, but there is no national board. Thank God. And thanks to the wisdom of the father, the founding fathers. I mean, can you imagine if they had set up a bureaucracy 
like they, you know, like we've seen infect other elements of our lives, this, this deep state bureaucracy to, to decide who may or may not be a journalist, then it would be a situation, you know, truly of totalitarian control of thought, of ideas, of people, because they would determine what is and is not truth. I understand what you're saying. They would love to do that. They try to do that. But because of the First Amendment, they can't do that. Because of the First Amendment, they can't do it. Right. They can't do it. Yeah, They can't create a a board and accreditation that says you you are no longer licensed to practice journalism. But I'll submit to you this, Heather. We're only a Mm -hmm. presidential election away from that happening. And we see that they can't, now. Uh, because First Amendment well, what you're saying they, but who is they? they? I, unless, I, I don't know, Heather. I'm saying the Democrats, because it's written so clearly, it can't. But, but, they but can I will give you this. They can, they can work around it. They're trying. Well, I think this is what why this case against Trump is so important, because I think that's what, you know, this is what they're trying to do little by little. They're trying exactly. to prosecuting for incitement, which is, uh, you know, again, we go back to the First Amendment. It is a very, very high standard that needs to be met. You can't be dragging people off in chains in this country for what they say and what they write. This is something that's been part of human history since the dawn of civilization. Leaders, kings, uh, rulers, uh, oligarchies, religious authorities have, have clamped down right on the rebel, the infidel, the person who thinks differently, the, the person who who disrupts what the king decrees is true, was tortured, was killed. You know, in the Congo, they cut off our hands, right? Writers, you know, who say something unpopular. In the Muslim world, they'll, you know, cut you to pieces and burn, you know, they burned you at the stake. I mean, that's that's much of human history. And that's what that is, is the the powerful trying to subjugate and control not just the bodies, but the minds and spirits of the, the masses of people. America was founded as the greatest experiment in human history, a country of the people, by the people, for the people. The government is supposed to serve the people. And that's why, you know, in my opinion, the First Amendment is the first. It is the most important. I mean, the Second Amendment's important too, right? Because that's the right to defend the body against too much government. But the First Amendment means the right to your own thoughts and opinions and beliefs. The government doesn't have the right. The government has the right to you know, prosecute you if you commit crimes, but it doesn't have the right to drag you off, to jail you, to kill you because of what you believe and what you say, whatever it is. That's why the First Amendment is so strong, and it's, it's really the bedrock of our country and our, our liberties and what, what makes us a free country. I mean, you can't have, you know, there's not much freedom that means much if you don't have the freedom to think your own thoughts and, and to speak them, you know, in peace. And so it's very, very strong. So you can't start, I mean, the standard for incitement is high, meaning you ha- it's a high standard that needs to be proven. You can't just start arresting people because of something they say that you think is mean as, you know, one party leader or uh a public official, you know, the press is allowed to, you know, and encouraged to be adversarial with government, to be, um, you know, inquisitive, challenging, to to challenge the powerful, to hold them to account for the public good, and and 
so, but the only thing, I mean, you can't, you do, there are some very narrowly tailored um, restrictions. You can't knowingly, if you, if you say something to a crowd, for instance, if you scream fire in a crowded theater, and there, you, you can have a reasonable expectation that will cause a panic and kill people, you can be prosecuted for that. Okay, you, you can be prosecuted for deliberately inciting violence. That's what they're trying to get Trump on. But I, in my opinion, they're not going to succeed because I don't think that's what he was trying to do. As we've discussed here, there have been hundreds, I think possibly thousands of huge conservative uh, gatherings in the past several decades. Never once has it turned violent. Never once. All the years of the Tea Party, right? All the years of political rallies, Trump rallies never have these crowds been violent because we know, you know, conservatives tend to be extremely law and order people. And what happened on January 6th, awful as it was, was very anomalous. Very. I don't think Trump expected it. I don't think any of us expected things to take the turn they did. And, you know, his use of figurative language there is what they are trying to get him on. So I think that, you know, he said, you have to fight like hell. Now, as you and I have discussed, Rob, if we go back and we look at all the statements made by Democratic politicians, all, you know, through many, many years, including the riots of 2020, you know, you had Democrats saying things like Kamala Harris saying that this should continue. People should continue to to gather and to, you know, even after things had turned violent, that the, you know, the protests should continue. We had people saying, get up in their faces. People had, you know, a lot more. I think, direct incitement by the Democrats. And, you know, Trump also used the word peacefully when he spoke to the crowd that day on January 6th. He told them to go peacefully. So, you know, because, you know, again, the standard for incitement is very high, they're going to have to try to prove that Trump knowingly and intentionally called for violence, okay, so I think what they're trying to do there is, in addition to they hate Trump, and they want to stop him. That's number one. And they are trying to weaken the First Amendment. I mean, they're, they're, I do not think it meets the standard. You know, and look, I mean, I, I do have some faith in our legal system. I do think that it, it will not, I don't think they're going to win. Um, you know, but I think that it's, Along the lines of what you're saying, yes, there are people in this country who very much, you know, would like to weaken the First Amendment because they want to go after their political enemies. Like, you know, they hate Trump. They want to stop him. You know, in the name of preserving democracy, they're trying to push him off the ballot in these different states. And these are the types of people, you know, that the First Amendment was written, you know, with them in mind, in my opinion. Um, you know, the founders knew that history is replete with examples, and we see it all over the world. Competing parties, people who seize power want to control the narrative. They want to control other people. They want to outlaw their political opposition, you know, make it a crime to be a certain religion, to say this, to do that. So that's what we're seeing. But to me, all it does is it highlights how important the First Amendment is, why we have it. And, you know, it applies to all of us. We have to tolerate speech. You know, I'm talking about you and me now, you know, and I know what you're saying. It's, it's dangerous because the media is very corporatized. It's very uh, powerful. And maybe the founders didn't 
envision that. But again, I, I, I think the only antidote is to, to create and, and sustain our own uh, messages and media and outlets and we can do that. This is a free country. And, you know, they can't stop us and we can't stop them. I mean, unless there's direct incitement or, you know, slander or libel, you know, in which case you can make a civil case and try to, you know, sue somebody for that. But there is, there, there's no, you can't be prosecuted for speech. Yes. Right. Well, Heather, I, I hope that you're right. And we're up against a commercial break, but we're going to take this up on the other side of the break because I want to get your thoughts also, as I mentioned when I opened up, about the reporters that were fantasizing, so to speak, of an assassination of Trump. You're listening to After Dark with Robin Andrew on the America Outlaw platform. And my guest host tonight is Heather Robinson of the New York Post. We'll be back after this commercial break. Cardiovascular disease is the leading cause of death and disability. Today's high-stress, on-the-go lifestyle makes it hard to stay heart-healthy. Lifestyle changes like exercise and diet are critical, but you can also support your heart with concentrated nutrients. Healthy Cell created heart and vascular health to support three aspects of heart health, cholesterol, blood pressure, and triglycerides, with CoQ10, vitamin K2, resveratrol, and soluble fiber. And Healthy Cell's not a pill, it's a patent-pending gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed ingredients. You would need to take 13 pills to get the same amount of nutrients in each gel pack. And these great-tasting gels come in a small packet. Tear off the top, shoot it down, or mix it in water. Get heart healthy. Go to HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD for 25% off. Lean. Pure with premium ingredients. Global Healing's Pure Plant Protein offers 20 grams of protein per scoop, and it's a perfect way to maintain and build lean muscle while indulging yourself. It combines enzymes and probiotics to maximize nutrient absorption, improving digestion, and your gut health. Available in vanilla and chocolate flavors, elevate your protein consumption while supporting your overall wellness with Pure Plant Protein. Go to americaoutloud.shop and get 15% off using the code OUTLOUD. Global healing, giving you the power to take control of your health naturally. So we're back with After Dark with Robert Andrew and my special guest host is Heather Robinson. And when we went to break, I was lamenting about the media as a whole and it needed in the, in the current form needing to be shut down. And of course, Heather just explained to us about the First Amendment, what the media is trying to do, and that the uh, best, I guess, solution for what the media is trying to do is more free speech. Now, speaking along the lines of free speech, I want to get your thoughts, Heather, also on the media fantasizing about an attempted assassination of Trump. As I mentioned in the first block, we heard this in 2016 when we had two CNN employees, a producer and journalist, I think it was Susan Malvo, uh, you know, jokingly talking about Trump's plane crashing. And now fast forward to 2024, we have journalists doing the exact same thing, speaking about an assassination of Trump. And as I mentioned, if this was someone on the right, reporters talking about this. The 
left-wing media would demand for someone to be fired. And I would say like clockwork, that person would probably be fired, even if it was a joke. We saw throughout the entire campaign of 2016, we saw uh, different outlets, uh, media talking about a Trump assassination. We even saw a play in Central Park that was, I think, uh, talking about Caesar, the assassination of Caesar, and they had Trump as a person that they were assassinating. Trump, a man in a yellow wig, a red tie, and a suit. And people just just like heralded it and said, oh, this is a great piece of art. Everyone went to see it. We even saw effigies of Trump being killed. And no one said anything about it. And when this was brought before the court, I think, someone said, well, if what if we would do it, uh, I think it was something along the lines of, what if this were Barack Obama? Would this be right? They said, no, because we know what they do. Well, who is they and what do they do? It's like they're trying to bait and switch. Well, you can do it for Trump because he's in the mainstream. You know, people, he's white, but you can't do it against a black man. And we see that right now with things that are happening. We look at Claudine Gay. And they're saying, oh, she was fired because she was black. No, she wasn't fired because she was black. She was fired because she was incompetent. Okay, she should have never gotten that position. Now, that's another story for a different day that we've already talked about. But I want to get your thoughts again on these two reporters who were mm-hmm. or, or fantasizing about an assassination of Trump. And with the, I, I want to say this also in the current environment, that is extremely dangerous. It is extremely dangerous because you can have some wacko who will think we're saving democracy, so we've got to take him out. What are your thoughts, Heather? Yeah. Yeah. Well, of course, it's an awful thing to say and it's an awful thing to, you know, contemplate. Again, I mean, I, my understanding is those reporters were not aware. I mean, they, they were it was like a hot mic situation. They weren't coming out and saying it on the air or or uh, suggesting it happened. It was a private kind of moment, which it doesn't reflect well on them as journalists to be, have such an egregious um, animus toward someone they're covering. I mean, especially as news reporters, I mean, I, you know, when I was in journalism school, I had a professor who thought, told us, you know, that a lot of people believe journalists should not even register to vote that if you're covering news, you know, as opposed to opinion, you should be striving for as much objectivity as you can and not in any way even try not to even cultivate an opinion on, on what you're covering. I mean, that's, that's kind of old school, but I, I think clearly these people, if they're covering news, if they have that kind of a, you know, that level of, of hatred for the person they're covering, I mean, I wouldn't want to be a news reporter. I, I, I would try to, um, uh, I think I would want to accuse myself, but we know, listen, look, these people, a lot of them have very low ethics. They're not ethical journalists, which is distinct from saying they need to be, um, you know, shut down and, and banned and legally prosecuted, you know, for the reasons that I just shared that can't happen. But I think, yeah, I think that their ethics are shoddy. They're very biased, many of them. And, um, we know there's been a huge look, Rob. I mean, I don't need to remind you what went on from 2016 to 2020. The, the, the mania that seized many people, especially in the elite sort of circles of this country, 
Trump derangement syndrome was real, and it is. Uh, I don't even, I, I mean, I guess it's calmed down a little, I think, because the left got its way um, for the moment. And I think it may, listen, no question. I mean, I, I, if Trump's reelected, I guess we can look forward to more Trump derangement syndrome. I mean, they, the establishment, the uh, call it the deep state or just the people in government who despise Donald Trump and don't want him to rock the boat have done everything they can. I think we can agree on that to prevent him from having a chance to run again. This is very obvious whether they are green lighting, uh, all kinds of lawsuits against them, you know, about things that allegedly were claimed to have happened 30 years ago, you know, things that I don't think would ever be, I think things that would probably be thrown out by judges, except that I think a lot of these judges are biased too. They're, they're, we know people who have a leftist worldview, many of them allow that to take precedence over their other uh, professional um, imperatives, and I don't agree with it. I think it's it's shoddy ethics. I think they're 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 steeped in bias and uh, extreme knee jerk, simplistic, one note kind of obsessive thinking about this person, Donald Trump. I think it has to do with power. You know, we, we can get into all that, but this is these are people who whether in academia or government, have long believed certain things and used, exploited certain undercurrents in the culture to get their way politically, to keep their jobs, to have, you know, financial and political advantage. And I think Trump is a threat to them, to their, he, you know, was a disruptor. He went in and did some things differently and they think if he gets reelected, he'll do a lot differently and get rid of some of the bureaucracy and make some big changes and, you know, et cetera. So we know that there's a huge contingent of people in the country who will really do almost anything to prevent him from being on the ballot, from, you know, having a chance at reelection. And it's, it's, Shoddy ethics, it reflects poorly on them. It's deeply insecure. I think it reflects the poverty of their ideas. They don't really have much to offer the voters other than this grievance politics that you and I have discussed many times, which I think is very negative. I don't think is helping the American people who have less in this country. All of that. So they just keep trying. They keep trying, you know, to to the people who sell grievance politics to, uh, you know, which I think, yeah, I'm not saying that's all the Democrats are about, but I think it's a big part of what they've become. Their party. And it's the part that has a voice. Right. It's the party that has a voice, the Mm -hmm. part of the Democratic Party that has a voice that's so vocal and everyone hears it. And again, I just go back to when they make such incendiary remarks, this deadly statements of a person being killed or assassinated, and no one comes up and challenges them on it. Can you imagine had someone said something like that about Barack Obama? I oh, mean, never, people would be never. out in the streets, but it seems as if though it's okay. This is, and it's not this, I, I want to say this is a 
the, the second time. But throughout Trump's presidency, we heard comments like that and people made fun of it. You even had some of the talk show hosts making, you know, statements and wishing and dreaming and saying, what if this were to happen? And you had rappers and musicians yeah, doing exactly. videos of so what and I hear this, I'm thinking, what has become and of remember- our country? Kathy Griffin, that comedian, she, exactly. she did no, a whole... No, she, there she was a price to pay. It almost ended her career. And I, I found it interesting mm-hmm. that they would go after her. And I'm like, okay, she, what she did well, was wrong. Well, her thing was, it was, she had a decapitated head. Rob. Yeah, it but when you look at Snoop Dogg, Dogg did a video of Trump being shot. Then you look at the mm-hmm. play that was done in Central Park about Caesar, but they mm-hmm. had Trump in the role of Caesar and they had people coming mm-hmm. up and stabbing him. So to me, they were uh, all wrong. Yeah. And right. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. again, I, what has the country become that you have individuals that are trafficking in fear and hate, especially in the current environment? You could have some wacko who could just go berserko. Remember during the, uh, the Senate basketball game, uh, not basketball, the baseball game when they went and shot the senator from Louisiana. And mm-hmm. when it happened, Steve Scalise. Steve Scalise. And um, in my opinion, it was a Bernie, it was a Bernie Sanders supporter, but everyone wanted to say, oh, you can't blame the Democrats for that. But if the tables were turned, and not even if the tables were turned, Every mass shooting that we see, they blame Republicans. Republicans. Just recently, we had the shooting mm-hmm. in Iowa. It just so happened, I'm hearing that the shooter was a kid, was a transgender or confused. And usually when something like that happens, the media would immediately say, oh, we've got to take away the guns. We've got to take away the guns. But no one is talking about taking away the guns. And Uvalde, Texas, the same thing. It was a transgender. Take away the guns. No one wants to talk, talk, talk about take away the guns now. So when it's ever, mm, whenever really? it's something that happens on the left, as quiet as it's kept, it's okay. We want to protect it. But if someone on the right says it, oh, we've got to tear them down. We've got to shut them down. We've got to sit them down. So these remarks or these comments, mm-hmm. again, you're poisoning the mind of people who are already disturbed, mentally disturbed. So when you have someone who comes out and makes these kinds of comments – and they go unchecked, and no one wants to say, this is horrible, this should not have been said, no one is fired, Mm -hmm. no one is held accountable. It's made to seem as if Mm -hmm. it's okay, and that I've got to save democracy. We've got to save the country, because everyone is telling us that Trump is the bad (laughs) man. Trump is the orange man. We're trying to take him off the ballot, and if that doesn't work... Right. Mm-hmm. And if that doesn't work, then maybe, maybe we've got Orwellian. And if that, but if yeah. that doesn't work, Heather, mm-hmm. if we can't get him off the ballot, we're going to just keep saying he's a threat. He's a threat. And you have individuals who are mentally mm-hmm. ill because we're always talking about the mentally ill who are mentally ill, who will think, OK, this is a way we'll, we'll shut him down. This is a way we'll, this is how we will attack him. We will attack him or someone in his family. This is dangerous rhetoric. It needs to be stopped. Someone needs to be held accountable. But we know that Merrick Garland's Department of Justice isn't going to hold anyone accountable because they wouldn't hold anyone accountable this past summer when you had people protesting outside of the homes of our Supreme Court justices. You had people 
back in the spring of 2023, protesting outside the homes of Alito and Clarence Thomas, hoping to change their opinion on abortion. And we still don't know who leaked that information. Now, the media knows. I'm sure the White House knows. But they're not going to tell because they're okay with it. But there are federal statutes that say you cannot protest outside of the home of a judge. And not just that, bringing it back closer to home, Heather. Last week, a judge was attacked during the middle of a sentencing. Okay? So when you allow something like that happens, and remember, last summer, there was another federal judge whose husband was shot and her son killed by some wacko whose trial she was over. So when you allow things like Mm. that to happen and it goes unchecked, no one says anything Mm. about it. It's almost as if though you're giving them free reign and you're saying that this is okay, we're not going to do anything to you. And that's something else to think about. The individuals Mm -hmm. from Jan 6, some of them are getting prison sentences that are longer than the sentences of people who've committed such heinous crimes. And what did they do? I heard a story of a grandmother who just walked through the Capitol. She saw what was going on. I guess she assumed, okay, let me just see what's happening. And they're going after her. Whereas you have other individuals who are committing heinous crimes, threatening the life of a president, fantasizing over the death of a president, the assassination of a president, of a former president, and people seem to be okay with it. Oh, it's okay. It's no big deal. You know, he's in the majority anyway, well, so you have to worry about it. Heather, that's I mean, dangerous. It's very dangerous. Yeah, well, it's certainly very wrong for people who've committed heinous crimes to be getting less time than what are essentially political prisoners um, who weren't actually engaged in any – who didn't actually cause – physical damage to anybody other than themselves but i mean anyway i I think that the whole thing with the porters speaking on the hot mics that i don't i mean i agree with you it's repulsive but i don't think that it's a criminal offense it's right it's not criminal it was on a hot mic but they should they should be more responsible and the current political environment Mm -hmm. i would submit that is extremely dangerous. And we're coming up on another commercial break. And we're going to pick this up talking about it. We're also going to talk about what Democrats are trying to do in Pennsylvania by taking down another statue, taking down the founder of Pennsylvania or the namesake of Pennsylvania. This never ends. And if people aren't held accountable, as I mentioned, this will continue on and on and on. You're listening to After Dark with Robin Andrew on the America Outlaw platform. We'll continue this on the other side of the break. I hope you'll come back and join us. Thank you. With the rise of independent media, we are now AmericaOutloud.news. For the genius of the United States is not found in its executives or legislatures, nor its ambassadors, authors, colleges, or churches, nor even in its newspapers or inventors. The genius of the United States is we the people. AmericaOutloud.news. Liberty and justice for all.
Nurses Out Loud Talk Radio want to introduce you to ASEA Redox Cell Signaling Molecules. It is more than just a wonderful natural product. Redox molecules are native to the human body. Redox molecules enable your body to turn on its inner doctor so your body can heal itself the way it did naturally when you were young. Check out americaoutloud.shop. Look for ASEA Cell Signaling Molecules Liquid Supplement and check out Nurse Michelle's recent favorite ASEA product, Renew 28 Revitalizing Redox Gel, because this gel helped get me through some significant muscular pain during my healing process following a recent canoeing accident when I broke my hip. Give it a try for your aches and pains and let Nurses Out Loud hear how your health has improved. You wouldn't go a day without brushing your teeth or washing your hands. What about washing your nose? I mean, your nose does filter the air you breathe, air loaded with bacteria, viruses, and irritants. Make nasal hygiene part of your routine with Clear. No messy bottles to fill, no drowning sensation. Clear is a natural drug-free saline with the added benefit of xylitol, which blocks bacterial and viral adhesion. Available in stores and online at clear.com. That is X-L-E-A-R dot com. We know you love the versatility and portability of the Genesis Fogger, but sometimes you just want to set it and forget it. Well, we heard you. Introducing the UX4 HOCL Atomizer. This stationary unit quietly protects you and is perfect for smaller spaces. With over a quarter million units sold in Japan, it's now available in the United States. Visit genesisfogger.com forward slash out loud to see the UX4 in action and receive a 15% discount on either Fogger with promo code OUTLOUD. With Genesis, you're ready for anything. And we're back with the final segment of After Dark with Robin Andrew on the America Outlaw platform. And just in case you missed it when I said it during the opening, please go to AmericaOutlaw.news and check out our new fancy glamorous site. You will be impressed. It's a lot easier. It's friendlier. And again, we have tons and tons of great articles. We also have Heather Robinson, who is one of my guest hosts from time to time. You definitely want to read what she has to say. So again, AmericaOutloud.news, go take a look at it. You won't be disappointed. When we went to commercial break, we were talking about, once again, the media and the double standards. And uh, what I want to talk about now is what the Democrats are trying to do in your state of Pennsylvania by taking down yet another statue. It's like all the statues of white men, we got to take them down because they're so oppressive. And I would submit to you, Heather, that eventually this is going to circle back around the same way diversity and equity, DEI, is circling back around and biting the Democrats on the butt. But this whole thing of removing statues, removing different people that they don't agree with, forgetting history, is going to circle back around and bite them on the butt because before long, someone is going to start focusing in on Dr. Martin Luther King, great American patriot, but they're going to start looking at him. They're going to start looking a little closer and someone's going to say, well, he assaulted women. Or look at how he treated women. He treated them as sex slaves. It's going to bite them on the butt. Mark my word. So what they're doing in Pennsylvania by thinking we're going to take down another statue of a white man, it's going to come back to haunt them. What do you say, Heather? Well, the latest news is that they're not going to get their way on that, apparently, Rob. Uh, The governor, Josh Shapiro, 
Democratic governor here in Pennsylvania, who has not been my favorite for other reasons. However, I do think that he may be positioning himself for an eventual presidential run. That's another matter. You know, he seems to be taking a more moderate tack here, and he just announced that that's not happening, that the William Penn statue will remain in place. William Penn was the Quaker, a British Quaker who um, founded Pennsylvania. I mean, I believe he got um, some kind of a permission from King George to do so, but he was a great champion of religious freedom, and he advocated... um, you know, speaking of First Amendment issues that, you know, it was not the place of government to dictate belief. Um, so he's really just, you know, despite his flaws as a human, he did own slaves, you know, which was a, a, a horrible reality of that time. Um, he did stand for progress in terms of religious freedom. He was a founder um, here and uh, he's part of history. And so he will remain in that, you know, his statue will remain in the park. So that's one thing that may signal some degree of pushback, I think. I mean, you could view it as a bit of a, uh, an indicator that some of this woke agenda, maybe people or, you know, some of the middle of the country is getting a little sick of it, Rob, um, or at least coming to its senses somewhat. So, uh, but no question, we know that this has been an ongoing effort to, uh, instead of, in a healthy way, add more stories and more history from the perspective of Black Americans and other minority Americans. You know, no, instead it's just been, let's tear down, let's take away um, these, these icons and, you know, anything good that they stood for along with the negative, which is... You know, that'll never work. We know that's not a healthy approach. You can't bury history, as you often point out. And it's very insecure and grasping and totalitarian to try to do so. So I think this was actually a win for um, progress here. And, and, and maybe, you know, they will introduce some more statues, um, you know, that, that tell some other um tales and you know offer different perspectives i don't think we have any problem with that the problem is with trying to tear down and malign the good of america's past along with the flaws which is wrong for multiple reasons um so that's my take well i've always said you can't forget about history because if you forget about history you're doomed to repeat it and unfortunately it seems that that's where we are today. People are forgetting about history. And when you forget it, you don't know it. It isn't taught. You look at what's happening with Israel and Hamas. Hamas attacked oh, the Israelis. Yeah. And people have forgotten all about Nazi Germany. So fast forward today, you have people that are supporting. They claim that they're supporting the Palestinians. But in actuality, they're supporting a terrorist organization. And you would think that people would be up in uproar saying this is wrong. I was watching the other day on mm-hmm. TV how you had these protesters in liberal New York City. I get a load of this. In liberal New York City, stopping traffic so that people can't get yeah. from one destination to the next. And this is my thought. Don't they realize that the people that they're trying to keep from work probably more than likely agree with them? 
So why would you want to stop them from coming to work if they agree with you? But see, they're not realizing that. They're not thinking because they don't understand history. Liberal well, New York City. So obnoxious. I mean, maybe people can see neutral sort of people. I mean, I keep thinking if I were just a Martian coming here and I saw these protesters, the Israeli side, pro-Israel side is generally dignified, law-abiding, respectful. The pro-Palestinian side tends to be unruly, uh, bullying, tearing down pictures of missing children, abducted captive children, full of venom, even thousands of miles away from this conflict. They can't control their anger. Um, I mean, I think it's a microcosm of the Mideast conflict. I think you can see who the instigators are. If you just observe the behavior of most of the people in the respective groups. So I'm sorry to see that people are being obstructed from getting to work and getting to pick up their children. I saw that video of that man. Um, but I think that maybe it'll open a few people's eyes. It should. I mean, if you think this is awful, it's, a, it's one you know, millionth of what Israelis put up with from these people for decades now. The violence, the disrespect, the, delegitimate, the efforts to de- delegitimize. And they want to annihilate Israel. That's their dream. Their dream is not just to have something of their own and coexist. They don't want that. They've rejected multiple offers of that. It's terrorism. And by their tactics, you can see they're filled with hatred. They want to destroy and maim and mutilate, including civilians. I mean, how anyone could look at this and not see that, I don't know. And I do understand empathy for Palestinian children. I feel it, too. I think it's, it's very sad. It, nobody wants to hurt them, believe me. But this is an unreasonable, fanatical, monstrous enemy, the leadership of these people who have waged an unrelenting, bloody campaign of genocidal intent for 70 years now. They will not stop. They're enabled by an international community that pours billions of dollars in welfare on them. They're, you know, humanity's largest per capita recipients of international aid in human history that has facilitated this. And, you know, they get endless sympathy, no matter how brutal their tactics, and it just goes on and on. So, you know, I look at it and I, you know, I, I don't understand how it isn't obvious that they and their supporters are trouble and mean trouble and you know the the leadership there has to change if there's going to be any hope of any kind of a a normal society there that can coexist and i hope it happens for the sake of children on all sides but you know when you talk about these you know these these protesters and their tactics I, I mean, I'm sorry to see it, but I also would encourage our listeners and anybody who's observing this to just to understand that this is just a, a small taste of the fanaticism and the unreasonableness that Israel's been dealing with and that Israelis have to deal with. It's awful. Well, it just goes back to if you don't know history, if you don't understand it, you can be easily influenced and we see this. And just goes back to my opening of the show talking about Melania and how the media is maligned the family, saying that she's going to leave him. 
also going to the journalists that are just saying anything and no one's calling them out. So you have these young people who are miseducated on everything that's out there. They're not hearing the truth. They don't know it. So they're just acting on emotions, thinking that, oh, this is a great thing to do. You know, yes, we should tear down all the statues. Mm-hmm. We don't need a statue. We don't need to know who founded the, 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 the state. We don't need to know any of this. But once you tear it down, <clears throat> once there's nothing there, what are you left with? Where do you go from there? Where's your beginning point? I'm reading a book right now, and I think I might have mentioned this, and it's called Killing the Witches. It's by Bill O'Reilly. I would encourage mm-hmm. all of our listeners to go get that book and read it. Because it's really insightful. And it's not just about killing the witches or, you know, the Salem witch trials. But it starts off with that, which gave birth to the country that we have today. And you're able to see the challenges that they have. And when people started looking looking back at their actions and saying, oh, my God, we actually killed innocent people based upon what? There was no evidence, but there was fear. Fear was placed in our hearts. And we felt that we had to do something. And we see that today with what they're trying to do with Donald Trump. He's the mad man. He's the orange man. And everything that they're accusing him of, they are guilty of 100 times more, Heather. And it's dangerous. Yeah, I I see it similarly, Rob. You know, we're on a wavelength with this. I think it's a kind of religious, kind of orgiastic if that's the right word, zealous um, social contagion, this this hatred and dread of Trump and his supporters. I'm not saying there's nobody out there who supports Trump who's a jerk, you know, or who's racist. Maybe there are. I'm sure there are some. But most of his supporters are not animated by that, in my opinion. And I've spent a lot of time with them, and I am one of them. And I do think this fear and dread of him and the people who support him and, you know, the white supremacists are coming to get you. And I think it's exaggerated. I'm not saying there's nobody. I mean, there was the tree of life murderer, although he was not a Trump supporter. He had it really had nothing to do with Trump. He was a, a extreme right wing nativist. So, I mean, there are some people like that, but I mean, I think there are some people in all groups who are violent, who are dangerous. You know, we can work ourselves up into a frenzy of fear and fear everybody who looks like them and thinks like them and has the appearance of having something culturally in common with them. But, you know, when people, you know, treat black people that way, we rightly call it prejudice. It's it's an overgeneralization, you know, an exaggeration based on fear, you know, that so that anybody who looks like somebody else, you have to be petrified. I mean, that's what they're doing with regard to Trump supporters for all these years. And it's it's an exaggeration. And it's it's fear based. It's I agree. And I, I don't know what all underlies it, but I, I think it's the same impulse. You know, it's a prejudice and it's uh, a bigotry. It's being like they're they're flattering themselves that instead of just being bigoted, they are saving the world and making the world safe from for democracy by blocking this human being and, and not allowing anyone who supports him to do so lawfully at the ballot box you know, that they're the ones suppressing the vote 
by trying to remove him from the ballot. It's like they're, they're trying to suppress the will of a certain portion of their fellow Americans who have a different political philosophy and want a more populist leader and want to democratically and legally express that view by at the ballot box. They're trying to block that from being allowed to have a chance of happening. So, you know, to me, there's a deep irony. It's like in the name of democracy, they're trying to keep someone off the ballot. They have worked themselves up, you know, to convince themselves is like a criminal, even though he hasn't been convicted of any crime. And this is all political persecution of him, I think. But I mean, whether it is or it isn't, I mean, the fact is he's not been convicted of anything. And, you know, the Trump supporters are, you know, almost half the country. So that's, what is it? How many hundreds of millions of people? So what percentage of those people have engaged in any kind of violence? Well, you know, far fewer than the people who engaged in the violence during the riots of 2020. But I mean, in both cases, this is a fraction of a percent of people. But so you know, based on that, they're overgeneralizing and getting scaring themselves about him and, you know, the hundreds of millions of people who support him, that we're all, you know, these, what, we were white supremacists, we're trying to come and get them. I mean, it's absurd. It's like a witch hunt. It is. And it is a witch hunt. As I said, read the book, Killing the Witches. It is a witch hunt. And they are, they're, they're playing on the emotions and the fear of so many Americans. And we have to wake up and we have to be aware as to what they're doing. Well, folks, that's our show for tonight. We hope you enjoyed it. Stay tuned again for tomorrow night. We'll come to you again at the same time, same station, After Dark with Robin Andrew on the America Out Loud platform. And as we always say when we end the show, stand for something or fall for nothing. And God bless America. Thank you and good night.